Welcome, everybody, to the NL Central State of the Division for Friday, June 17th. I am Ethan Madowski, and joining me, as always, is my guy, Clay Snowden. We're going to be catching you up on all that's happening in the NL Central recently. Clay, before I get into the standings, just tell me from this last week or so, what have been some things, one thing that's really stood out to you in the NL Central? The new standings, of course, that that is all I can think about. And I mentioned it on last week's episode that when we talked today, we could have a new standings. And lo and behold, here we are with the Cardinals at top. Yep. So we finally have a new division leader. It's the first time this year that the 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 hands, the division, sorry, the lead in the division has changed hands and it goes to the St. Louis Cardinals, which is why I have the hat on today. They're sitting at 37 and 28. Thanks in large part to the Brewers just absolutely stinking it up so far in June. They've fallen now to second place, one a game and a half back of the Cardinals. They're 35 and 29, Clay. And I looked at it this morning. They've only won three games in June. We're certainly going to talk about that uh, later on in the show. The rest is pretty standard as you go down the line. The Pirates are 25 and 37. I mean, these this division is just crazy how these two teams Sucks. at the top are going to battle it out. And then there's nine games between – there's a game and a half between first and second and nine games between second and third. Uh, the Pirates are 25 and 37, 10 and a half back. The Cubs are in fourth place, 23 and 39, 12 and a half back. None of their offseason acquisitions have worked out at all. And the Reds, 23 and 40, sitting at 13 games back. So, Clay, obviously the big news is the Cardinals finally taking that top spot from the Brewers. We discussed before that. We think the Cardinals are going to end up winning this division. We're not really huge believers in the Brewers. So talk to me about what you've seen so far in June, because the Brewers, I can't remember their exact record, but I know that they lost like 10 in a row and they lost two out of three to the Washington Nationals, which is an absolute disaster. They haven't won a series. They've only won three games. And one of them came last night when they beat the, uh, well, we're recording on Thursday, so Wednesday night when they beat the Mets 10-2. to 2. So just talk to me about what you've seen from this division in June that has shifted the power structure. Yeah, the Brewers, you know, they relied on their pitching, and I feel like we've said this every week, but the offense was just not very good. They had a few moments of run. Um, over at JustBaseball.com, Sam Lucchini, who's just done a great job with the articles, uh, wrote about the Brewers' struggles this week. And um, if you look at their everyday players, eight of their players who have 40 or more games logged this year have an on-base percentage under 330. Yelich leads that with a 327 on-base percentage. Um, so many of them are under 300. You know, you, you just can't count on Rowdy Tellez to hit home runs every single time or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hunter Infro to do the same. Um there's just a lot of questions and honestly, not a lot of avenues for answers right now. Yeah. I think this offense has is right now the worst that it's been all season long. They're third worst in weighted runs created plus in June this year, uh, this month. And they're they're They have just 75 weighted runs created plus as a team 20, like I said, third worst in the league. And in that's despite Christian Yelich actually, being better at the plate. He's hitting 277 this month, but he's just been completely devoid of power. He has a 340 slugging percentage. It's actually lower than his on-base percentage, Clay. And so he's just not hitting the ball hard or anywhere that it can find gaps and find extra bases. Uh, His strikeouts have come down big time. 
And thanks to the deflated stats this year, he actually has 98 weighted runs created plus. But again, a much better judge of his performance is his 704 OPS. It's the lowest of his career. Like he is struggling very hard. I don't know what happened to the player that we saw in in what in 2018 and 2019. But it doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime soon. And I think that's one of the biggest storylines in this division is, you know, the Brewers, they went all in on Yelich. They made him their centerpiece. And since 2020, you know, he's just tailed off every year. And it's hard to see him coming back to being that centerpiece, that that MVP type player that he was in 2018, 2019. Um, but talking about an MVP player, and this will kind of move it, move us into uh, the next discussion we're going to have, which is players that have impressed us and disappointed us. And we're going to start with the Cardinals and just go in division order here. The most impressive player, not just for the Cardinals, and maybe not even just in the National League Central, maybe in the entire National League this year, Clay, has to be Paul Goldschmidt and what he's been doing recently. We actually have an article from Just Baseball up today about how Goldie is making his Hall of Fame case. I wrote about him last week. He's been unbelievable and has to be the biggest, you know, he's easily the best player in the National League Central this year. Yeah, I mean, he's slashing 347, 430, 640 with 16 home runs, 21 doubles. Um, I I just figured at some point in time he would tail off. Like, you know, he's getting a little bit older now, but he's doing quite the opposite. Um, He's really, really impressed at the plate. And I do want to mention a rookie, Brendan Donovan who's kind of a Swiss army knife playing all over the field for the Cardinals, a guy that I've really been impressed with 341, 448, 465 in his limited playing time. Um, Yesterday, I believe he was playing first base. We've seen him in the outfield, third, second. Um, Typical Cardinal, man. He can play everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. A good piece for the Cardinals who are still trying to find some bats. Yeah. And he's actually, it feels like he's come through with a lot of big hits for them, like a lot of timely hitting, you know, some, some big hits late in games and stuff. And also you're right, Clay, like they just, even though they've taken over the division lead in the National League Central, they haven't really found that offensive groove that we've been waiting for them to find. And a huge reason is because of the two players we've seen really disappoint. And that's Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. I mean, O'Neill's stats, you know, 71 weighted runs created plus this year, a 598 OPS. That's after a 912 OPS last year. He's only hit three homers. Coming off the IL, you know, maybe dealing with an injury that's made him struggle. But, I mean, are are we going to see anything from Tyler O'Neill this year, or should this just be what we expect to see from him? Yeah, he has a home run since coming off the IL, but it's also struck out quite a few times. He he played better last night, um, but I mean, yeah, he's been a concern, and maybe we can blame it on the injury. But Dylan Carlson has also yes. been just so mm-hmm. mid. I just don't mm-hmm. understand. Like, I thought that his advanced stats and everything the past um, two seasons have looked kind of just like a solid player, but not spectacular. And I think everyone was counting on him to take a big jump forward. He's batting, or excuse me, slashing. 252, 303, 399, only four home runs. The corner outfield has been a disaster. Um, Corey Dickerson was brought in. He's been a nothing player for them whatsoever. Um, I just don't know. Does Donovan mm-hmm. play more corner? Does Yepes get some time there? Do, mm-hmm. do they make a move? I don't think they do make a move just because they're still high on these young players. Mm-hmm. So right now you just got to cross your fingers and hope that Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Juan Yepes, and um, – Donovan can just 
you know, figure it out and, and keep this team afloat, but it's, yeah. it's somewhat concerning. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they, I think they'll get something eventually. Like these are players that we've seen, okay, they can do it at yeah. the major league level, but maybe they're just having a down year and really struggling because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense what's going on with these guys. Um, but they could really, especially O'Neill, coming off of 34 homers last year, to only have three, they could really get him going. Uh, let's move on to the Brewers. I mean, the really the only, you know, we we just talk, we can breeze right through this because we just yeah. talked about how bad the offense has been. But Corbin Burns has still, you know, they've they've had some struggles with the starting pitching. Maybe it hasn't been exactly what we thought it would be. Um, you know, some injuries on that front. But Corbin Burns has been just as spectacular as we could have imagined. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that we have to talk about him. Everyone knows everything there is to know about him, and he's mm-hmm. doing exactly what you'd expect it. And we've already touched on the disappointment, which has been the offense. I mean, the mm-hmm. Brewers are what they are until they change this roster. Yeah. I don't expect any higher upside players really breaking out for them right now. Um, I, I just think they are what they are, and they're going to have to adjust this roster if they want to win because they no longer can lean on the pitching like they did last year. It'll be interesting to see if they're sitting in second place and maybe they are they fall a little bit more behind the Cardinals, what they do come July 31st, because they're going to have to – you're right. This is not a sustainable roster right now with this offensive production. They're going to have to go out and get some kind of offense, and – um, you know, I don't know what the prospect stock is like there, to be honest with you, but they're going to have to use whatever they have because they can't keep this going if they want to be a contender in October. It's just not sustainable. They're going to have to score runs when you face teams like the Mets and the Dodgers. Um, you know, if they even I mean, I imagine they'll still get to October. They find ways to win games and they still have a good record. And there's the expanded playoff this year. But, you know, it's starting to look a little more questionable. Um Let's move down to the Pirates now. And and Brian Hayes, we've talked about on this program at length. He is tremendous, having a great year, certainly impressing coming off a bit of a down year last year. But I think the guy that's catching headlines across the league uh, in Pittsburgh is their big closer, David Bednar, who has just been fantastic. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from him, Clay. I mean, he he's the whole package. Um, I think... You know, Pirates fans will probably want to keep him because he is young, but you just don't keep Mm-mm. productive bullpen arms when you're a few years away Mm-mm. from competing. Um, capitalize on his huge year and quit pitching him 95 innings mm-hmm. in the first half. I mean, do, do you have the exact number of innings? Yeah, so right now, so he has 31 and a half, or sorry, 31 uh, and two-thirds innings this year. That's in 25 games. Last year, he pitched 61 games. And he had 60 innings. So he's basically halfway to his inning output from last year in less than half the games. So a math podcast. Yeah, not quite great at math there. I'll I'll let somebody do the exact numbers there. But the point is, like, he's being worked really hard. I mean, he got an eight out save. I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Tuesday, but sometime this week. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, hey, Pittsburgh, I've told you this before. This is your most this is your one valuable asset that you actually want to trade at this deadline right because you have to think they're not going to move brian reynolds now when his price Mm -hmm. is this low and supposedly they want him to be a centerpiece of the future so basically this is all they've got right now and you don't want to send him to a team 
you know, you don't want to overwork him to the point where in the last couple of weeks of July, his value tanks because his arm is dead. Um, you know, throwing eight out saves. I know that they're trying to win ball games, but it just doesn't seem very sustainable for them. And I think they kind of got to look at, okay, we need to rest this guy a little bit so that his value is still there come July 31st. Because I mean, look, reliever, everybody's looking for relief help at, at, at July 31st. And I think, you know, one of the main guys teams are going to be calling about is Bednar and the pirates have to do what they can to make sure they get, they get a big return for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But as we move on to the Cubs, um, a couple of players that have impressed us, first of all, Christopher Morale, we don't My guy. talk more about him. Yeah, My I just guy. mentioned him every single episode. He did have like a two for three or two for four night with a home run last night. I love that guy. Ian Happ has been terrific. 283, 383, 463, seven home runs on the year. And we all know what Wilson Contreras has been awesome. And we, I, I don't think we need to touch too much on who's impressed us there because they're, you know, we've discussed mm-hmm. them at length already mm-hmm. um, throughout this season. However, I do want to spend some time on who's been disappointing yeah. just about every everybody, everybody else over the past year. Yep. Um, if you look at them quickly, I'll run through them. Nick Madrigal has been terrible, limited time, but 222, 263, 250, not a slash line for a guy who only hits singles and isn't even doing that. Jonathan Villar has been terrible. And Jolton Simmons is like straight up DFA quality mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint Frazier's gone. And Marcus Stroman has a 5-3-2 ERA. Wade Miley is barely pitched. Um, they, there's just not a lot yeah. of positives coming from yeah. that bizarre offseason. No, so I could. My question for me is what what the hell do they do? Uh, I mean, they're they're going to sell and they're going to sell Contreras for sure. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Hap, but I, I know there are teams out there that would love Ian Hap, right? Positional versatility. He can play all three outfield spots and he can play second base. Switch hitting. And he's been great this year. I know that he would fetch a big haul on the open market. Look, Clay, I could do an entire hour-long episode about how the Cubs came apart, right? And how much of a disaster it's been. But I think this offseason is a huge indictment on this front office and just how poorly they manage the team after winning the World Series. Like, they went all in for that World Series, and it's what they should have done, right? They hadn't won one in 108 years. Winning one was the one of the greatest sports stories we'll ever see, right? And they went all in for it. But since then, they have just completely botched it. They had a team that we all thought would win dynasties. And now look at the team that they're putting out there, man. I mean, you know, I was thinking about it when I was thinking about the pod yesterday and how for so long we spent, you know, we spent the first month or two of this podcast saying, is this really what the Cubs are? You know, what are they? Are they, are they, bad are they okay like no they're just bad dude but they're a bad baseball team they have no pitching that nobody's hitting right now except for happen Contreras and and morell you know and then they've got with you know all these older young yeah, guys young, you know like with them they're just not good they're just not a good baseball team none of the and this like i said this offseason is just a disaster. I mean, they traded Madrigal, you know, for Madrigal for Kimbrel. Disaster. VR 
everybody could have seen that coming. They signed Andrelton Simmons for $4 million when apparently they were making a play for Carlos Correa. That didn't work out. And Simmons is now, you know, like you said, a DFA quality player. They got Clint Frazier, DFA'd his ass, and Stroman is on the IL, been a disaster too. It's a huge indictment of how poorly, it just shows how poorly this team has been mishandled. Um, and they're just bad. And, and you know, like I tweeted out from the Just Baseball account yesterday because Aram did the shot, the Cubs top 10 prospects. You're right. There's not a lot to be positive about. So all we can do now is look to the future. And, um, I, you know, I, the future, look, there's, they got some good players on the farm, man, but it's going to take a while. It's another process going on in, in, in Wrigleyville right now. And speaking of the process, it is, you know, as we keep going down the line here, the team going through it all right now, your Cincinnati Reds, Clay Snowden. I mean, we have to give them some credit. They have really turned their season around. Um, they're actually, since they were three and 25, now that I'm, or yeah, three and 22, they are 20 and 18 since that time. So playing better ball, playing above 500 ball the last month or so. And it's all because of Joey Votto, is it not? Yeah, he's been good. Um, I actually think it's more of the random players that they brought in this year. Albert Almora Jr. has produced, which is beyond surprising. Brandon Drury, I'm not even – it was a bit for a while, but Brandon Drury really is looking like – He's going to be a trade that, target. Somebody's going to go out and get him at the trade deadline. <laughs> what happens if he is the Reds' all-star? Like someone has mm -hmm. to be, and he's been mm -hmm. the best player. It's, it's just hilarious to think about. Matt Reynolds has played well, and the the young pitching is really what's driving anybody to watch these games right now. But yeah, they you know what they they've looked pretty good. The schedule lightened up from the first month. Um, they got a little bit healthier with India coming back, but of course they lost Tyler Stevenson Brutal. to injury. Nick he Lebel. would have been there. He would have been their all star. Let's be clear. He if, if if Stevenson had kept it up, he probably would have been the backup catcher for the for the uh, National League. Yeah, yeah. They, I, mean, I mean, there's definitely a chance for that. But um, Mike Moustakis is washed, completely cooked, hasn't mm -hmm. looked good at all. Um, that contract really sucks for the Reds. But, yeah, I mean, there's just – I don't see anything changing this year until the deadline when they move a few pieces. The deadline is going to be interesting for this division, Clay, because we know there's going to be three sellers, right? So we know that the, the, the bottom three teams are going to sell. And then we know the Cardinals are going to go in, out and buy. And I think they can make a very big impact acquisition depending on what's available. The Brewers are going to be the team that's kind of interesting in the middle. I think that we're kind of out of time here. So we're going to, we'll, we'll save this for another episode. But breaking down how this division is going to go at the deadline, who's going to be available, who's going to be looking for what is going to be really, really interesting. And, you know, we're going to do that over the next month or so, but just give me one guy that you think right now, um, you know, should be, we should be keeping a, a, an eye out for. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Wilson Contreras is the guy in the division yeah. who at this point just has to be moved. will bring a great return. You don't see many catchers who can hit that way. And he's been playing some DH as well. So even, I mean, he's such a good hitter that you don't have to use him at catcher. Um, I know Ryan Finkelstein of Just Baseball, who is a big Mets fan and host Locked mm -hmm. on Mets, is clamoring for 
Contreras in New York, which would be interesting. We know that Steve not afraid to do no. it. It would be a great move for them. And the Cubs and Mets did a deal at the trade deadline last year for Javi Baez, so they have worked together before. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the easiest one to go for. Um, but I think the Cardinals, like the, a team, you know, we're going to talk about, I'll talk about buyers. I think the Cardinals are going to be a team that's going to be really aggressive in the market because they know that they can easily take this division from the Brewers if they just add a little bit more pitching or one or, and one more bat. Like, I really think that they should go out. You know, you put pitching down here. I also think they need to go out and get a middle infield bat because, um, I think that could just take their offense to an entirely new level. It'll be interesting to see what's out there. Of course, I think a lot of that is going to depend on if the Red Sox are in contention, but now we're getting too deep into trade deadline talk. Um, but, you know, I, I really think that the Cardinals are going to be aggressive because they're, look, they're the Cardinals, man. They're not going to wait around and and just kind of be content with what they've got right now, especially if guys like yeah. O'Neill and, and Carlson keep struggling. So what do we got looking ahead this week, Clay? Um, I know that the Cubs are coming off just getting obliterated by the Padres, uh, and they finish up a series with them this week. They have just they're on a nine game losing streak right now and have just been an absolute disaster. Um, they have the Padres one more with the Padres uh, today, and then they host they host Atlanta this weekend and go to Pittsburgh next week before a showdown with the Cardinals. After that, uh, I'm just going by the teams that I whose schedule I pull up right now. The Pirates host the San Francisco Giants. They're coming off dropping three of four in St. Louis. And then, like I said, they get the Cubs next week. Uh, St. Louis, take a look here. They actually go to Boston. That'll be certainly an interesting series there. Um, two teams that are hot and getting back into the playoff race, especially the Red Sox. Uh, that's a weekend series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't often see that matchup, that historic team matchup at Fenway Park. And then they host the Brewers for four next week. That's a big series, man. That can really change a lot of how, of, of the way that we think of these two teams, right? If they go in even, you know, it's very possible that one of those teams comes out uh, with a four game lead. And then, uh, looking at the Brewers, before they have those four with the Cardinals at home, they have the Reds on the road for a weekend series this weekend, three games at Great American Ballpark. And then the Reds wrapping it up, three games with Milwaukee, three games with Los Angeles. Oh, this is a brutal, or, sorry, they host Los Angeles, and then they go out to San Francisco. That's a tough stretch for your Cincinnati Reds right there, man. Yeah, any, not looking good. Any final thoughts, Clay? Nope, that's it. That's all for the NL Central State of the Division. Stay tuned, guys. Like I said, we'll have a lot more in the next coming weeks about how this division will shape out, shape up post-trade post deadline. I'll figure out how to talk, hopefully, next episode. For Clay, I'm Ethan. We'll talk to you guys next Friday.